last week on heaven and hell and you know some people get upset when you talk about hell uh, I'm going to talk about hell today fair warning all right if that offends you get over it because we've all you know we've got to deal with this stuff and heaven as well and it depends on the decisions that we make last week I said uh, you know heaven and hell it's not a very cheery subject but it's something we should all understand you don't get cards saying merry death happy dying do you we don't like to talk about death we think that that's taboo or something. But here's the funny thing. 100% of us are going to face death short of Jesus coming again. Um, in fact, life has a 0% survival rate. Did you know that? You can't get it. So it doesn't matter who you are, you know, rich or poor, straight, gay, black, white, Christian, non-Christian, we are all going to suffer a physical death. So I think we should talk about something that's pretty common, don't you? Doesn't it make sense? We sort of avoid it. We don't like to talk about it. We use euphemisms for it. If I say to you, I'm going to kick the bucket, what does that mean? Does it mean I'm going to stub my toe? If I fall off my perch, what does that mean? If I'm pushing up daisies, what does that mean? You see, we, we, we like to talk around death, but we don't like to talk about it. Yet 100% of us are going to die short of the Lord coming again in our lifetime. The question is, what happens when we die? Last week, we looked at a few alternatives. We're gonna, I'm going to speak very plainly about heaven and hell this week. I really am. So, so you know, if, if your ears are a bit tender, I think you should listen anyway. Because I think we need to know about this. So do we soul sleep? Last week, we discovered that that is not true. We don't sleep until judgment day. Do we come back as an ant or a king or an elephant or something else? Uh, that is also not true, patently untrue. Do we have a heavenly party forever? Some of us. Um, is, is hell real? So I thought, you know, you can't do any better when you're talking about heaven and hell than, than to see what Jesus said about it. Are we agreed? So in, in Luke chapter 16, have a look at what it says there, verse 22. I'm going to read it out to you. But, but listen to what Jesus is saying because the question is, is this just a picture? Is this just a, a story that maybe to make people think? Or is this what actually happens or a version of what happens have a listen to what he said a poor man died and was carried by the angels to abraham's side which we would call paradise the rich man died because they, they were outside there was a rich man and a poor man the rich man also died and was buried and in hades which we'll talk about in a minute being in torment he lifted up his eyes and he saw abraham far off with lazarus at his side and he called out father abraham have mercy upon me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger into water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in, in manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. Pretty sobering stuff, isn't it? I think we should pray, don't you? Lord, we just pray as we open the scriptures and we learn. Father, give us open hearts. Help us not to come in with some prejudice saying, well, I don't believe that stuff, therefore it's not true. Because whether we believe or not doesn't affect whether it's true or not. So, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us out of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, that parable makes it pretty clear that when we die, we are conscious and our soul continues to exist either in heaven or in hell. And um, 
for a period of time, obviously. The, the parable teaches that you cannot move from one place to the other. You cannot relieve the torture of hell. You cannot float back as a spirit to warn people here. The rich man actually said, that, can, can you please go and appear to my brother so that they don't come here? But that's not an option either. The rich man was a missionary-minded man in hell. He wanted to reach out to his family whom he loved and have them not go to the place where he was. So what is Jesus describing here? Is it real? Is it figurative? What actually happens when we die? What a cheery subject on a Sunday morning. I knew you would be excited about this. Look at you. You're all looking at the, you know, the, the floor and the windows. You know, you're sort of... so, so we need a bit of cheering up, don't we? Is that right? So we're going to have a look at heaven and hell this morning. It's such an awkward thing. I, I notice everybody being a bit awkward. It reminds me of a story Bill Newman tells, and I've heard this many times, and I love it. <clears throat> there was a guy who used to go to church, and he used to always fall asleep. So please don't fall asleep this morning, all right? He used to fall asleep, and, and his, his wife, uh, the pastor came to the wife and said, look, I noticed that your husband falls asleep every time he's in church. Some of you are like this. And, and she said, oh, I know, pastor. I don't know what to do about the pastor. says, look, don't worry. Don't worry. I've got something arranged for next week. So the next week comes around, pastor gets up to deliver his morning massage and, and the, you know, the guy's out there and he starts to sort of nod off to sleep, nod off to sleep, nod off to sleep. And he's quietly sleeping away. And so what the pastor, what the pastor does is he says, look, those of you who are going to heaven, stay right where you are. But if you're going to hell, to the other place, stand up! And the guy stood bolt up, right? The only guy in the whole church. He's like... Looking around like, oh my goodness. And he looks up at the pastor. He said, Pastor, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where we're going, but you and I are the only ones standing. (laughs) So don't fall asleep in church, all right? Just saying. So when we die, there is a process which is called death, and you don't get to miss out on it. Some of you say, I don't believe in God. God doesn't really care about that. It's not reality. What you believe doesn't make reality. We live in a world where people think, oh, in my opinion, it doesn't happen, so therefore it doesn't happen. That's not true. If you don't believe in in air, put your head under the water for 10 minutes. You'll start to believe in air. You can't see it, you can't feel it, but it's there and you need it. So unless you um, suffer a sudden death by hit by a car or something like that. Dying is a slow, protracted process. Let me just briefly summarize this. Dr. Colin Dix, who's away this morning, uh, he did a great job. Uh, he has a book called Death, Dying and Donuts. And it's, it's, really, it's a really good book. And I think we all should read it because we all should know something about this, shouldn't we? And he described, when he ministered here, he described the process of dying. And it's going to happen to all of us, short of the Lord coming again. Uh, so what happens as you die, let me summarize, the blood supply weakens, people tend to sleep more, their bodily function begins to shut down, their body breaks down, their organs like the kidneys and some start to fail, their breathing becomes labored, the lungs fill with fluid and you get a sort of a rattle when you breathe. And then as death approaches, the skin becomes waxy and then the heart stops, the breathing stops and in a few minutes the brain ceases to function, the skin starts to cool and the person is officially dead. And um, sometimes, you know, uh, it happens in variations on a thing, but that's essentially what happens as someone goes through the process of dying. And it's just a process. I, I can't, you know, God heals, but he, he doesn't stop that. We all have to go through that. And it's just a process. As, as Colin said, it's not right or wrong or bad. or good. It's just what happens, okay? 
Now, something happens, we know, beyond physical death. Many people, including myself, have had an experience of something beyond death. Let me share with you what happened to me. And some of you will say, I don't believe that. I don't care. Happened to me. It's my story, not yours. I believe it because it happened to me. All right? Whether you think it's right, I don't care, honestly. So I I was having a series of of very uh, large asthma attacks called anaphylaxis. That's where your face swells up and you look horrible, well, more horrible than normal. And, um, you know, and I used to joke about it because your face would swell up and all your airways swell up. And Fiona was terrified of it. And I used to sit around saying, you know, I am not an animal. I am a human being, you know, doing the elephant man thing. But you look like the elephant man. Anyway, um, I, I ingested some, um, some aspirin. I was rushed to hospital. And on the table, my, my um, bodily functions ceased. They actually lost me for several minutes. What happened from my point of view, I was, 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 uh, was breathe, laboring to breathe. I was kind of panicking about that. And then all of a sudden, I felt like uh, I fell through the table into the arms of the Lord. I could sense sort of liquid love all around me. It was really amazing. I could see the doctors and nurses working on my body down this long tube. And um, uh, I was surrounded by light and love. And um, I remember I panicked when my breathing had stopped, but then I was completely at peace. I was safe in the arms of the Lord. He actually spoke to me and then he, he sort of, I floated back up and the next thing I know it was happening around me again. You know, it, I was present in that moment. And I said to the doctors and nurses, what actually happened there? And they said, you actually died and we managed to just haul you back. All, you, all the machines started, you know, flatlining and that sort of stuff. So I've had a glimpse back there. That's just a glimpse. But many people have. I was talking with, uh, with John. He's going to share in a week or two's time about many cases that he is a chaplain encounters of people who've had encounters, who've seen a little bit beyond the grave. Paul said this, Romans 14 verse 8. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. All religions recognize that, that upon dying, our soul separates from our body and something happens spiritually. So what happens to our souls when we die? That's the question. So if you've ever gone to someone and said, I'll go to hell, that's prophetic. Because we are all destined to go to hell. That's our default position. You're all sounding shocked. It's very quiet in here this morning. How strange. The Bible says, uh, Hebrews 9.27, just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that the judgment. So we die once. Let's get this sorted. We talked about it last week. We die once. You don't get multiple lives. Uh, it's not like a computer game where you can die and come back again and restart it. Um, we don't get second chances. That's a lie. We die once, and after that, we are destined to be judged. And understand this. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you've sinned and I've sinned. We have all sinned. Number one. Number two, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So the penalty for sin, every single one of us has sinned, and the penalty is, the consequence of that is that we all face eternal death. So let's not sugarcoat it. Our collective destination is hell, not heaven. We all deserve death and hell forever, but God graciously offers us heaven because he sent his son to die in our place. That's how we get heaven, not on our own works, not stuff we do. We can't be good enough. God gives it freely to us. That's the amazing thing. That is called the gospel. We don't deserve it, but grace allows us to, ex- to be accepted into heaven because when he looks at our 
sin, it is covered over with the blood of Jesus. This morning we say, thank you for the blood. Jesus paid the price for us, and that's how we get into heaven. But many people, if you reject the Son, you reject heaven. You choose hell by default. C.S. Lewis, the great writer, said this. Now, this is very interesting. Listen to this. The safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. You see, we live in a world that doesn't want to talk about this. So everybody quietly just dawdles off down the broad road to destruction. I think we need to talk about this, don't you? Isn't it important? Today I'm going to describe to you what the Bible says about hell and heaven. And, and most people sliding quietly into hell without realizing it, they need to hear this message. So today I'm going to talk frankly about the lies the devil feeds us and about what happens when we die. Still strangely quiet out there. Deathly silence, thank you. <laughs> Fantastic, I love it. So let's talk about the devil's lies about hell. See, Satan doesn't want you to learn the truth about heaven and hell. So he makes hell sound attractive. Have you noticed that? Everyone jokes about it. But Jesus said this. Jesus didn't make hell attractive at all. He says this in Matthew twenty-two thirteen. He's talking at the end of the parable about the king. It says, The king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what's this weeping and gnashing of teeth? That's like, like that. Maybe you do it because there's pain. Yes. Maybe you do it because you're angry. And I guarantee you there will be people condemned to hell who will be angry at God because that is the punishment that they've received. But, he, you know, but his punishment is just. They're still angry. It's interesting if you get to the book of Revelation, you'll read right towards the end, you'll find that even with all of the tribulations that are poured on mankind, people don't repent. They get angry at God. God, that's not fair. But it is fair. What's not fair is that he gives us grace. What's not fair is that he loves us so much. So here's some of the lies that the enemy will tell you about hell. He'll say this. How many of you have heard this? How can a loving God send anyone to hell? Right? I should be able to sin and do whatever I like, and God has to accept me because he is love. God is love. Have you heard that argument? Well, hell is a place of conscious punishment for sins, with no hope of relief. The question is, is hell a cosmic overreaction to sin? Is God being unjust or unfair? The answer to that is no. He is being just and fair when someone goes to hell. But God doesn't want you to suffer. You need to understand, God has to do what is right. But his heart breaks because he loves you. Look at 2 Peter 3 verse 9, incredible verse. It says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell, but there is a justice in place that demands it. God's loving heart doesn't want you to go to hell, but his holy justice demands a consequence of your willful sin. And you say, well, that's not fair. We're not talking about what's fair. We're talking about what's right. Think about it. If you hear of a serial killer on trial, if you, just imagine this. There was a serial killer on trial, and the judge said, the, the, the evidence said, you're guilty, 
And this is the guy, he's a serial killer, and the judge says, right, I sentence you to six months probation. Would something inside you say, hang on, that's not right, wouldn't it? Ted Bundy, you get six months of picking up pieces of paper in the park. That's not right, is it? Something inside us says there has to be, when someone sins, when something, someone does something, there has to be some sort of judgment on that. And it has to be proportional. How can you give a serial killer, you know, an ankle bracelet for six months? That doesn't make any sense, does it? So the, you don't necessarily hate the serial killer, but because of the sin that he has done, the crimes he has done, there is a just punishment for that. And it has to be in, in proportion. And when God sends people to hell, which he eventually will, um, it's, it's justice. But the thing is, God's justice is also balanced with his mercy. That verse says, it is not God's will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Do they all come to repentance? No, because many reject him. But it's not his will that they should perish. The Bible says that. If God let everyone into heaven, which is what people say he should do, heaven would be hell. Because they bring their sin in with them, because their sin is not forgiven. The reason heaven is going to be heaven is there's no sin there, because Jesus' blood has covered it over and it's gone. Isn't it exciting? I mean, it's exciting, right? God doesn't, God's love doesn't compromise his standards of justice and, and righteousness. But his love sent Jesus to pay the price in full, both justice and mercy working together. The second lie you'll hear about hell is that hell will be more fun than heaven. The devil will try and convince you that heaven is a nice place but a bit boring. Um, you have to sit on a cloud playing a harp till your fingers bleed. Um, it's like an endless church service with 58,000 verses of on some old hymn. You know, it's, that's what he said. But hell, oh hell, you know, you can break out a pack of cards with your mate, a carton of beer, sit there, have a good time. Have you heard that one? That's what people say. Me and my mates boozing on for all eternity. I can't remember it, but I'm boozing on, you know. The truth is nothing could be further from the truth. That is such a lie. Hell is separation from God and everything about God. So God is, you know, and this is for eternity, right? So God, what, you know, what does hell look like? Well, have a look at what God looks like. Have a look at Jesus. You want to know what hell is like? Look at the cross. You want to know what heaven is like? Look at Jesus. Because, see, God is light and love and fellowship and joy and companionship and excitement. Hell is the opposite. It's pain, misery, intense loneliness. There's no mates. There's no fun. Just endless misery, loneliness, darkness and regret. Maybe that's the hell of hells, the regret. When you look back on all the times you could have asked Jesus into your life and you said, no. You smugly said, oh, I don't need that. I'm good. Thanks. Good on you, mate. I'm fine. There's a verse in Jude. Jude 1 verse uh, 13 says this. Wandering stars for whom is, is reserved the darkness of blackness forever. That's a comment on hell. Imagine misery that never ends. Imagine replaying all the times you could have accepted Jesus but refused. Maybe that regret is the hell of hells. Here's a third lie that the devil would have you believe about hell, that there's a place called purgatory. Now, you notice there's no Bible verse up here for the reason that purgatory is not in the Bible. It's made up. 
by popes. There's a few popes who have agreed to this. But it's not in the Bible. The medieval church, here's the history of it. The medieval church wanted to get people working and they wanted to raise funds to build very nice cathedrals at um, St. Peter's and other places. So they invented this thing called purgatory, which says that if you die, there's kind of a halfway place between heaven and hell and you, you have to suffer there during the day. You get a couple of hours off. Just, you know, and then when you've done your time, you can move to heaven. Or if you pay me some money, I'll get that soul moved to heaven on your behalf. Now, this is serious. This is what purgatory is. So the thing is, if you love your relatives and you think they're purgatory, what are you going to do? You're going to pay up. Right? And so, unless it's your mother-in-law. Yeah, I didn't say that. Is that what you said? <laughs> Did say people you love, Kenny. Um, Look, look, frankly, this, I don't even need to go into this. This is a complete and utter fabrication, okay? There's no, no breaks, no part way, no second chances. Fourth thing the devil will want you to think about is that eternity is not really forever. See, Matthew 25, 46 says, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You might say, well, you know, eternity is a bit of a stretch. We don't really believe in that. Once again, whether you believe it or not, I don't care. A fact is a fact right? You not believing in it doesn't make it not true. So that, that verse there in Matthew 25, the word into eternal punishment and eternal life, the Greek word for eternal is the word ionios, which literally means no beginning and no end. So human minds can't comprehend what no beginning and no end looks like. Okay, we should, you know, as far back as you can imagine, further. As far forward as you can imagine, further. To put it in some context, I found out that the Hubble telescope has just discovered a star called Arendelle. Um, it is 28,000 light years away. So if you can imagine the distance from the Earth to the Sun, it is that distance times 1,800,000,000 times. So it's quite a way. And eternity is beyond that. Right? That we, we, we look at these illustrations to try and get our head around it, but we can't. Eternity is that far away. And, and look, these lies that Satan perpetrates, please understand, it is, you know, we, we tell you about this because we do it in love. People say, oh, if you really love me, you wouldn't talk about this stuff. That's not true. If we have two roads going down to Brisbane and, and one of them goes to Brisbane and the other one goes off a sheer cliff, is the loving thing to say, oh, it's all right, just take the other one, that's fine, because I love you and I don't want to talk about it. Of course it's not. If you know someone's heading to disaster, a disaster that will last eternity, shouldn't you, isn't the loving thing to do to speak? We have this mixed up in our head in our modern society. We think if someone loves someone else, they can do whatever they want and you can't say anything because you're supposed to love them. But sometimes love says no. Sometimes love gives a warning and said it's not acceptable. And that's where we've got to not believe Satan's lies. 2 Corinthians 5.11 Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, Paul writes. Lonely, boring, purposeless, miserable, painful, regretful... This is what hell looks like. 2 Thessalonians 1.9 They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. People's souls are eternal and they live forever either with the Lord in heaven or separated from him in hell. And that should make us want to tell people. 
The loving thing to do is not to shut your mouth and let them slide on into hell. Remember that quote from C.S. Lewis? There's no milestones, there's, there, there, there's no signs. They're just floating right on in there. But unless somebody says something, they're just going to go. If you love the people you love, you need to tell them this. It's important for all eternity. But the devil also has some lies about heaven. All the jokes you've heard about heaven are wrong. Just saying. I was thinking about the, there's a joke, you know, there's a line going up into heaven and uh, there's a pastor, you know, up towards the front. He's waiting to be checked into heaven. And suddenly the trumpet goes and there's a red carpet comes down and there's this little, little scrawny Italian looking guy uh, goes walking down the front and straight into heaven. And the, the pastor says, well, St. Peter, why, why, why did he get a preferential treatment to me? And St. Peter says that ta- he's a taxi driver. And he gets moved up the line because when he drove, he put the fear of God into more people than you ever did. <laughs> now that's a joke. That's a joke, but it's not true. Because the premise of that joke is you have to do something to get to heaven. And you don't. You just have to accept Jesus. So all of the jokes you've ever heard about heaven, about you know doing something good or getting more good than bad and all this sort of stuff, um, it's one of the many lies about heaven. So let me buzz through what the devil tells you about heaven. These are all lies, all rubbish. First of all, he'll say, there is no heaven. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Pretty clearly there is. Number two, everyone good is going to heaven. Matthew 7.13, enter by the narrow gate, Jesus said, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. Not everyone is going to heaven. Our default position is to go to hell. That's what the Bible says. Number three lie that the devil says, heaven is boring. Psalm 16:11. you make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is ro- fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Heaven is going to be awesome. And it's only going to get better from there. Trust me, it is phenomenal. Number four, all religions lead to heaven. Problem with that is Jesus doesn't agree with you. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I didn't, don't blame Pastor Darren. I didn't say it. He said it. But he's giving you a truth. And five, good works will get you to heaven. And we know uh, uh, Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. And I gave the illustration last week that, hey, you know, who wants a free trip to New Zealand? Yay, let's do it. Great, come with me down to Malulaba and start swimming. Because you might get a mile or two miles or 10 miles or 20 miles, but you will never make New Zealand because it's too far. And that's what your works are like. You, could, you might work hard, you might be really fit and try really, really hard. You'll never make it. But Jesus is the aeroplane that takes you to, to New Zealand. You just accept it. Accept your ticket. And that's all there is to it. He does it, not you. His strength, not yours. In several places throughout Scripture, it tells us that your name needs to be written into the, the book of life, the land's book of life. Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven, Talking about the new heaven and new earth. Nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. When we accept Jesus, we realize that Jesus has paid for our sin and our name is written into the book of life. He does it in ink, not pencil. 
Accepting the Lord is, is, is when you accept the Lord, he just writes your name into the book of life. Now, years ago, we would say, well, that's impossible. How can we have a book that has everyone's name in it? But now with computers, we know that's very possible. So technology is finally catching up with the word of God. So the truth from here to eternity. See, the thing is, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, God has put eternity into the hearts of man. Everybody has an awareness that something out there, something is out there beyond death. Even as we saw last week with some quotes, some of the atheists have finally at the last minute figured out they were wrong. We know that upon death our soul separates from our body. The soul is gone. The question is, where's it gone to? No one can produce proof either way as to what happens. You know, I can't go there and bring you back a piece of heaven. No one ever has. But some like me have glimpsed behind the curtain. The Bible teaches that our body returns to dust, Ecclesiastes 3. Uh, all are from the dust and to dust all return. But what about the real you? See, when I look at you, I see your eyes. And behind your eyes is the real you. That's your soul. The thing is that heaven is not a place. It's a person. The real you, your soul lives forever. Whether you're a, When a Christian dies, he or she goes to heaven or paradise. It's an intermediate state. It will change. One day he'll return to earth and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The place will change, but Jesus is where heaven is. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Doesn't matter if it's on earth. I mean, Belinda Carlisle was ahead of herself. Heaven is a place on earth. It will be one day. It's not today, but it will be one day. And uh, Paul describes it as being better by far than living here on earth under the curse. Jesus called a paradise. I mean, the thief on the cross. Truly, today you'll be with me in paradise. Paul also talked about uh, going to a wonderful place on death. Uh, Philippians 1, verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. If I stay here, my labor will be fruitful, he says. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That is far better. No matter how good this life seems, being with him in heaven is far better. Heaven is not defined as a place so much it is the person. Heaven is where Jesus is. Heaven might change location one day, but the defining factor is who is there, not where it is. Heaven is where the Lord Jesus is, whether now or on the new earth in the future, spoken about in the last two chapters of the Bible. You know, but heaven's just the start, because wherever he goes, we go. How good is that? So, let me talk about the final countdown. Any children of the 80s here? Woo! Anyway, um, as great as heaven will be and as horrible as hell will be, both of these are not our final destination. For heaven to, uh, there is better to come and for hell there is far worse to come and both will last for eternity. So when we die, we, we go to either heaven or hell, but we're there for the final countdown because it's not where we're going to be. Without Jesus, death is a hell of a place, I have to tell you. When we die, our soul doesn't sleep or cease to exist. We cannot make changes to our eternal destiny, but we experience the consequences of decisions we've made during our life, in particular, whether we accepted Jesus Christ. Our actions are not eternally judged at that point. There is only two kinds of people after you die, those who know Jesus and those who don't. 
That's, that's it. Paradise, the current heaven, is a wonderful, joyous, fascinating place. It's also temporary. Um, so is what the Bible calls Hades, or the place of the dead, which we read about the rich man being in. So, so Lazarus was in, in the bosom of Abraham, which is paradise. The rich man was in Hades, which is hell. And it is terrifying and horrible, and it is a foretaste of the misery of being eternally separated from God. So to help us illustrate this, um, we can't get our physical human minds around this. So what Jesus did was he gave us some pictures that would sort of help us understand a little bit. Does that make sense? So what did he say about heaven? He said many things, but the one I like, he said, In my Father's house is many mansions. So what he's saying is, I'm preparing a place for you. I said last week, Keith Green wrote a song, and I love it, you know. Uh, in six days, he created everything we see here, but he's been working on heaven 2,000 years. It's going to be awesome. And he created that, and he said, in my father's house are many mansions. In Matthew 10, 28, he also says this, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So what is he talking about there? The word he uses for hell is very descriptive. Hell could have, he could have used any, any picture to get us an idea of hell. The, the Greek word that is used there is the word Gehenna or Hades, the place of the dead. And it's very graphic. Now, Jesus could have used any picture to tell us about hell, to show us what he means by hell. He could have said, North Queensland in January, right, with the heat. But he didn't. He gave us this picture called Gehenna. What is Gehenna? Gehenna is the name of a valley, the Valley of Hinnom, just outside of Jerusalem. It was the garbage dump of the city of Jerusalem in ancient times. And what happened was people would, would dump their garbage, their refuse. Any, if any animals died, they dumped their animal bodies out there and it burned continuously. The fires in, in the Valley of Hinnom burned continuously. And that is an apt description of Hades, the temporary hell. It was hot, smoky, it stunk to high heaven or low hell, depending on how you see it, and constantly smelled of death, dung, refuse and destruction. And that was the picture Jesus gave us of hell. He, he didn't mince words, did he? I mean, he, he, didn't just, he didn't dress it up and say, oh, well, you know, like, God's a God of love, you'll never go. He said, this is what it's like, guys, get ready. Fear the one who can send you here to a place that's like that. So, who wants to live forever? Here's the thing. We all do, either in heaven or hell. I heard a comedian say one time, I'm going to live forever. So far, so good. And he's right. Whether your soul goes to heaven or hell is not determined by what you've done, by weighing your good deeds against bad deeds, or what you believe. I'm not sure I believe that. Doesn't matter. Doesn't change reality. Or what you think you know. Where you go when you die rests solely on who you know, not what you know. Do you know Jesus or not? For those who love Jesus, the, body, uh, the Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. It's that simple. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 to 8. We are of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul's saying, I would rather be with the Lord, but to get the job done, I'm going to stay here a while longer. But he wanted to be there. Let me illustrate. 
there's, there's another couple of illustrations. There's a couple of illustrations here of heaven and hell. Let me talk you through these. We who love Jesus, when we die, it's like taking a luxury cruise to the best destination ever. So if you can imagine, who's been on a cruise ship? Love cruise ships. They're, they're fun. I, you know, I put on weight on cruise ships. I, they're, they're, they're heaps of fun, right? So if you can imagine a cruise ship, that's actually um, Oasis of the Seas right there, which is a Royal Caribbean one. Now, th- there's so much to do. It's exciting. It's great. The food is amazing. The entertainment's stellar. It's comfortable. It's enjoyable. But here's the thing. You're going to the greatest destination on earth. As good as it is, as much fun as it is, one day you're going to be at the greatest place. And that's an illustration of what heaven is like. It's fun. It's awesome. It's amazing. But the destination's even better. How good is that? You're going to go out and book a cruise now. But for those without Christ, it's the opposite picture. Hades, Gehenna. Now, what it's like, what hell is like, it's a horrible place, but it's like county jail. You go to county jail, it's incarceration, it's pain, it's lack, it's misery. Uh, but those without Christ are only there until ultimately the final judgment is pronounced, and then you go off to the state penitentiary. You see the, the, the thing here? It is temporary. It's, not, it's, it's a horrible place, but it's temporary because there is worse to come at the state penitentiary. So we're going to continue this next week. I hope I haven't scared you all away because we need to talk about this. The great news is you can come with us on the cruise ship. You can come with us to heaven. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ. You don't have to work there. You don't have to do a bunch of stuff. You just have to say, Lord, I accept you. I accept what you've done for me and his blood will cover your sin. I think think that's a wonderful thing, don't you? So where we are at today, I'm simply going to say a prayer this morning. And if you've never asked Jesus into your life, or if you're not sure, I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer with me. We do this all the time, but I don't want you to leave not knowing for sure that you are on the cruise ship to heaven. The Bible says when you die, it's one or the other. Which way is it going to be? Can you really procrastinate can you really sit here and go well you know i think i'll just think about this for a while i'm going to say no because you don't know when you're going to die it's an appointment you've got to keep and you're not really sure when that is so let's get this right because if we get this right there is eternity hanging in the balance would you bow your heads Lord, you look deep into our hearts. The Bible says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to you. And we say, have your way. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, or if you're not sure, sometimes you can be in church. Sometimes you can go to church for years, and you're still not sure. You're not sure that you're going to heaven. This is the moment for you. You guys online, you may not be certain. This is the moment for you to get this right because it's important eternity hangs in the balance if you're not sure or if you've never asked Jesus into your life or maybe you did a long while ago and you 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 feel like you've you've drifted away or something this is the moment to get it right just pray this prayer with me and together 
We're going to ask the Lord Jesus into your life. And it is your ticket on the cruise boat to heaven. So say, Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And thank you for giving me eternity with you.